This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Fourth Estate, the show where journalists and occasionally a few others talk journalism. Coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name is Peter Frey and I'm the co-director of the Centre for Media Transition at UTS and my producer today is the ever-wonderful Anthony Dockrell. Coming up this week, we have a special edition of the show which poses a couple of key questions. Uh, Is artificial intelligence a friend or foe of journalism or to journalism? And how can we supercharge fact-based public debate with the aid of technology? So just to fill, uh, fill you in a bit more on that, on artificial intelligence... Barely a day goes by without a report coming out warning about job losses thanks to automation. The jobs most at risk are the predictable ones, the ones featuring repetitive tasks. But as the machines get smarter, oh well, you've seen that movie. So is journalism at risk from automation? Already the likes of Bloomberg and Dow Jones are turning company announcements into stories using machines and specialist AI companies such as Narrative Science and Automated Insight have been doing it for several years, and that's not even to mention our friends at Google. So what Bloomberg and Dow Jones are doing is easiest because such announcements are structured data, and artificial intelligence loves structured information. But what if instead of being at the end of the world of journalism as we know it, as sometimes the headlines say, we may be on the cusp of something bigger and better? Hold that thought. Because the other topic up for discussion is how we can boost fact-checking with a combination of erudite people, inquisitive minds, and some very smart technology. So today's guests are forging new paths for journalism and the delivery of factual information, which foreshadows a future in which collaboration between humans and automated machines or automatons produce positive outcomes. Welcome to the show, Nick Evershed from The Guardian. Thank you, Peter. Uh, Nick is the proud father of ReporterMate, a robot who recently wrote his first or her first first story. And it was a great, great event. Yeah, that's right. It, I mean, it was the first story in production. Uh, we've, I've been using it privately for a little while, just testing it. Um, but yeah, we, we put up the first story about political donations um, about a month ago. And Yep, and we're going to get to that in a minute and talk about it in length, because I should introduce our, our second guest. And coming to us from the burgeoning area of fact-checking, uh, from a computer science rather than a journalism background, is Ben McNeil, who's the founder of Metafact.io. Hello, Ben. Uh, thanks for having me, Peter. <laughs> it's great to be here. And, and Metafact.io is a platform, we're going to talk about it at length, but just for the just in the beginning, is a platform which matches verified scientists and experts to, uh, to answer and review factual claims asked by readers. 
Yeah. Yep, that's it. Could have written it better yourself. <laughs> I think you did write that. I think I, just, I think I just took that from your website. So you did write that. So, Ben, you are a climate scientist, right? Yes. So um, I thought you might have enough on your plate rather than taking on fact-checking. Tell, yeah. us, tell us about MetaFact. So my background's in climate science. I've, I've been at UNSW for 20 years uh, yeah. or nearly 20 years. Wow, you don't look um, that old. Uh, yeah. I've got some greys. Yeah, yeah okay. I think, you know. All right. Well, we're, yeah. not, we're not on TV anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, okay. So, um, and being involved in a, in a debate like that, a climate debate where we all know the story where there's a lot of both misinformation on all sides, to be mm. honest, not one side, all sides. Yeah. T- the extremes are there. And from a scientific perspective, it's frustrating. So there's thousands of scientists who really don't have an effective voice. So when something happens um, in the media, they get shared a tweet or whatever it may be in YouTube, there's really no way for scientists to actually say, this is actually not right. Here's the evidence. Not in real time often anyway. Not in real time. So there's really, there's no, there's not empowering the experts who know what the knowledge is. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to create a platform, not for just for climate science. This can be applied to anything. I mean, if you look at superfoods to... You know, or, um, to, to, to or you know, turmeric. To, I mean, all sorts of different claims mm. in food and health. So yep. what we wanted to do is take that very simple idea of uh, connecting experts with questions, um, but do it in a verified way, and the public can ask them. And just so we get to the tech a little bit quicker, mm-hmm. you do that using uh, machine learning. You know? Yeah. So essentially, we have this um, pr- program that I've built that allows people. Let's say you've got a question in aspirin. I then um, we then, sorry, even though there's not many of us, uh, we then uh, connect the, the, the top 100 aspirin researchers in the world to answer that question. Right. Or 100 so or whatever the number automatically. is. Automatically. Automatically through these public databases we have right. within, within so research. So I'm Dr. Smith and I'm an expert in aspirin. And there's Dr. Jones, and anyway, along comes your machine and goes, well, what's Smith and Jones been writing about aspirin? Scrapes that, sends it back to them. And we say, would you like to answer this question that's come from the public? Oh, you, say, you give them the option? Them. Yes, oh, of, course, I see. of course. Yeah, and then they, they can say, look, I'm too busy, or they say yes, and then now we have a verified list of experts, and we have about 11,000 now that have registered on the, and verified in the system. Right, so what happens if I'm Dr. Smith and I'm an expert in aspirin? Does a little email pop up, an automated email from you? Is that how yes. It, right, saying, hi, I'm Ben. I've got it's, this question. We're still very early days, Peter, so yeah. I'm sorry, it's I'm not in that it, sort I'm, of... But, I'm, but at the same time, I'd, I'd love this whole automated. <laughs> but in terms of an expert, they come onto the platform, they'll have a list of questions they can answer. Okay. All right, well, we're going to keep talking about that, but yep. I'd like to bring Nick back because I did sort of cut him off in midstream there. <laughs> Reporter mate, Nick. Uh is he or she really our mate? Yes. Okay. Why? <laughs> uh, so in in journalism, like you, you were alluding to earlier in, in your intro, so there, there are repetitive tasks in journalism. Mm. Most of journalism isn't, though, but some stories are, some coverage is, and some tasks are. And so wherever there is a repetitive task, um, automation is always going to come in at some point. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was coming in all the time already in my job. I'm, I'm a data journalist. I have to do um, the stats for political donations, uh, MPs' expenses, uh, carbon emissions, that sort of regular reoccurring story. It happens every quarter, happens every year, mm-hmm. happens every month. Yep. And I would do my analysis. Mm-hmm. I would write something about it. And then in a month, I'd have to do the same thing. And so I started, when I did my analysis, I would 
write it in a script, which I could just rerun the next time, feed in the data. And then it got to the point where we were like, well, might as well just automate the rest of it as well, you <laughs> know? Right. Cut out the middleman. Cut out the middleman. Yeah. Why, why write about it when I'm just going to have to say the same things every year? So, um, All right. Well, just pause there for a second because I wanted to read in uh, what Reporter Mate made of that first, that first yarn. And sure. I'm, I'm going to quote Reporter Mate, if I'm allowed. Am I allowed? Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, here it is. It is about political donations, as you said. So um, here it goes. Australian political... I'm not going to read it in a vo robot voice. Although, is it in your head in a robot voice? I actually wrote those words. Ooh. So technically, oh, no. Okay, no, okay. <laughs> Well, here's one for the humans. Um, Australian political parties declared donations worth $16.7 million in the 2017-18 financial year, comma, according to the latest figures from the Australian Electoral Commission. This amount is lower than usual, with donations averaging $25.2 million a year over the past 11 years. The largest donation overall... 2.3 million was made by Valpold Propriety Limited to the Liberal Party. And I'm sure we can all follow up on Valpold Limited. But um, of, of all that, I've just read those three paragraphs. What did the machine do? So we produce a template yep. for a story. Yep. And within that template are logical rules around which data to use where. And if a certain result is achieved, it will alter the text as well. And so certain bits are just like placeholders for figures, like the total amount, mm -hmm. the biggest donor, etc. And certain bits are conditional. So um, like the, the average being up or down um, over the past five years or something like that. So it's not that the entire mm -hmm. text is generated automatically. It's working from a template. Yep. And the data that you feed into it will affect the little holes in the template and fill it in. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So you wrote the code for that template as well? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And that's why every journalist needs to learn coding, by the way. That's another whole new, another issue. Mm. Um, what, I, what I've just read strikes me as pretty straight reporting. I mean, it's very straight reporting. Uh, and I guess most journalists, well, I should hope most journalists could have done that. Was there, what was the reporter mate advantage, advantage, really, just to spill it out? It was speed, timeliness, because you could be doing something else well reporter mate was knocking that out absolutely so the way it worked out on the day was uh the data goes up at 9 a.m mm -hmm. um reporter mate filed after i had to download the data format a little bit reporter mate files in like 20 seconds well wow. and then so it, it takes all of the data analysis off your hands because you've done it prior essentially mm. you've done all that work prior so you don't have to do it again so that's the first benefit is that I no longer have to do all that maths that I used to have to do. Um, I can make sure it's working ahead of time. Sometimes you'll get errors from like differences in formatting, but mm. that's a different issue. And so then it goes on the site as soon as you can get it up. Yep. And that frees you up to do um, something more in depth. So the then, value add. Yeah. So then maybe about four or five hours later, myself and my colleague, um, we produced another story, which was much more interesting in a lot of ways. Yeah. So it was looking at a specific set of donations uh -huh. with context. So we led with um, the gambling lobby donating to uh, the Liberals around the Tasmanian um, mm. state no, I, campaign. A good story it was too, yeah. Um, and that, that was a big deal because of all the, the debate around poker machines, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that's something that Reporter Mate could not have necessarily picked up without some much more complicated 
programming involved. I got it. I got it. Can I ask a question? Yeah, of course. Please yeah. do. So I think it's amazing, but I, I'm not a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a scientist, and I think there's sort of applications. I'm a scientist as well. Yeah, yeah. you're both scientists. Stop, the scientists, <laughs> the scientists <laughs> love it's, but it's, Stop it's, loving it's each report, other. It's reporter mate, right? So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, You've yeah. said it, reporter mate. So I think, but I think that has. Couldn't the application also be for um, uh, anyone beyond reporters absolutely. who has a set of data yep. and they want to have a good snapshot and just pretty much make it Oh, absolutely. Public, right? And, and we, so, should, we should say also it's open source, right? It is open source. And it's funny that you bring that up because a lot of the commercial companies who got into this um, started in news. Mm. But I believe, and this might have changed more recently, but I believe that they found that the majority of the money available was actually in things like doing corporate reports mm. and other things which weren't actually journalism. So there's a lot of areas mm. where summarizing large mm. data sets oh, just can yeah. potentially essay be of writing. great use. Yeah. Essay writing. <laughs> and there's a lot of industries who have more money yeah. than the media industry. Yeah. So I, I think a lot would, of the application well, for this is actually outside I'm just thinking immediately for us because we have, let's say we have a hundred experts and now we have complete data on what they've said. Mm. Mm. And we have very, it's hard for us to report on that mm. other than just here's a snapshot of the data. Like here's a snapshot of the percentage score of what mm. this is false So my, my grand plan was to bring you two together. Okay. So I, yes. Uh, um, and no, actually, so I, cause I, I think you probably should have a long yes, conversation. I would like to. <laughs> I, I tell you the other thing that strikes me about Reporter Mate, and uh, and in a way, what you're doing as well. So it's this unifying around the word facts, right? So um, mm-hmm. this sort of fact-based uh, dialogue, fa- fa- fact-based public debate, is what you're both kind of very much in the in, you know in the middle of. And what's interesting about that, I suppose, if to get a little bit philosophical, is that you know, so facts you know lead us to objectivity. And there's a lot of debate about whether objectivity is losing out, as it were, to more emotion, uh, hyper-partisan media, subjectivity, in other words. So uh, just on, just dwelling on facts, and this is for you, for both of you, really, but Ben first. Do you people want facts or do they just want the facts that confirm their own biases? 100%. Right now, it's all about what, you, what confirms your existing belief, right? There's, there's really, if you look at um, how... Google, Facebook, how the the new in me, the new media is structured in tech. It's we are in these bubbles, and mm. we are only fed what we should, you know really um, confirm what our existing beliefs are. But is that a, is that a problem for Google and Facebook, or more that we seem to be increasingly well, wanting to be in that bubble? Yeah. Right? We we like what we like. This is psychologically we yeah. we sort of tend confirmation to confirmation bias. bias is a big thing, yeah. right? Dan Kahneman's book, you yeah. know, is amazing, but. Um, when you think about the internet and think of Google and, and Wikipedia and the things that us, uh, when we search for something on the internet, what we should be looking for are things that don't. We should be looking for new ideas and new lines of evidence, which actually don't. It's critical thinking. Right? Mm. So if you think of every student in the world should be taught critical thinking. I think that's the most important skill for any child. Um, uh, and what we're trying to do is do that. So anyone can say, okay, we see a claim here. Is that true? Uh, right now they Google it and then Google will give you some SEO link of garbage, you know, and then... Not necessarily garbage, but they'll give well, you... Well, sorry, they'll give you good stuff and then a lot of it yeah. will be... They'll give you some paid advertising and then it might give you some good stuff. So, yeah, if you if you Google uh, like autism and vaccination, in the well, top five you have anti-vaccine 
sort of blogs, right? And then, so then, and then you'll get the story. That's not great. Yeah, okay. So mm. I guess what mm. we're trying to do is say, instead of that, with Metafact, ask the question and we'll get a, a more trusted, more credible, independent, non-commercial mm. uh, voice to give you the facts. Okay. Uh, Nick, do you, I mean, is objectivity a kind of daily struggle? And is reporter mate uh, uh, going to help us with that? Uh, it's it's a it's a thorny issue. I mean, the, the people have said a lot about objectivity in journalism, like mm. whether or not it's actually achievable. Anyway, is is a big question. Well, yeah, you know, the Jay Rosens of the world would say it's kind of pointless to actually <laughs> bother well, uh, getting I mean, it there. Yeah, that's I, a... I, I I like to think that fairness is a better mm. mm-hmm. option. So you should be fair to the people you report on and topics you report on. Balance for the sake of balance is is never good. Um, objectivity in data is an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, reporter mate will give you the the maths answers that yeah. you ask it, but it can't interrogate the collection of the data. It can't say, well, how is this collected? Did it survey the right people? Was it you know randomly collected? All that sort of thing that you might need to have more familiarity with the situation. So. In one sense, it's objective, but at the same time, no data is objective. No mm. reporting is objective. I chose the order of things in that template, for example. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, um, that's I kind of that's what I'm getting at. I suppose, yeah. is that uh, journalists and people criticise journalists for uh, you know for this bias, but and we can probably have a separate show. But let's be clear: what journalists do is what you just said. They they have a they have an, an incomplete smorgasbord of facts, an incomplete smorgasbord of facts. They go out and, and pick, you know, the bits, those facts that make sense of these, you know, this orchard of facts, if I keep mixing my metaphor. Um, mm. so, so does reporter mate help us in that respect? Not really. So therefore, well, that, the good news is that journalists will still have a job then. So I mean, it helps with getting the, the maths right, hopefully, which is yeah. a, a small win. Yeah. Um, so that's a start. Well, I think there's there's also something that's really important that really sparked my interest in this whole area. And John Oliver, you know John Oliver, yep. um, he wrote he did this amazing clip. You should look at it on YouTube um, around the climate change debate and in journalism. And he he essentially said, "Why don't we have a statistically representative debate on on climate science?" And he, it was very funny. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he pointed to a really important problem in media in that you've got the 50-50. So when you're a lot of a lot of journalists will, will bring up here's someone who supports and here's someone who doesn't. Mm-hmm. But in reality from the science perspective, not let's say the policy, but the science perspective, that's a false, right? There's 97% on one side and 3 on the other, mm-hmm. right? Across tens of tens of thousands of different independent scientists, right? That's a problem. So he said, why don't we create this statistical essentially a better representation of the current established knowledge in that specific mm-hmm. that specific topic. And it's really a powerful point, but that's what we want to try and bring to that this debate, is that when you're a reporter, having one opinion is great, but having 50 expert opinions and is, is probably better, more powerful in that sense. So what if the, and just to play devil's advocate yep. and to be the skeptic here, yep. I guess the skeptics that's will good. say... Um, <laughs> Okay, so there's 100 people in a room, 97 of them agree that, you know, man-made, human-made, uh, you know, climate change is real. It's beyond beyond any doubt. And mm-hmm. there'll be three who are, and of those three, one will be completely against it and a couple will be sort of, well, not sure. Yep. What if that one person who's against it is kind of Galileo or someone? 
That's great. That's how science works. Right. But, but the, we're not, the, so Galileo we're, doesn't get a look in. No, in, in, not, not yet. Well, how does I see? So, so you're going to let... time. So what science is, is it, remember, it's a, it's a... So they're called... I mean, there's this really fat, great point. Um, Sam Arbsman, who's who writes... Uh, he used to run five, 538 and others. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he coined this phrase, mesofact, right? So in science, there is really no truth mm-hmm. in the sense that there's no 100%. There's no 0%. Everything evolves, right? Mm, so the, yeah. we have what we're looking to drill down into. What is today's best evidence that we have? Mm-hmm. So right? if that's I use the, that, so then yeah, over no. time, then that can change, and that's how breakthroughs happen, right? So someone will come in and go, "We're looking for this breakthrough, by the way, in climate science," but someone will come in and take that 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 paradigm out of the equation, like Galileo. Yeah, and so, that's how it works. So, so right now we're trying to... How do I get there with uh, MetaFact? Because if I wrote you a question and say, you know, is human-made climate yep. change real? You know, the question. So we'll you'd share... Say, you'd, yeah. You go off and ask your Dr. Jones and Dr. Smith, yep. but you'll pick Dr. Jones who's obviously at the top of the game in climate science. Yep. And that person will have an orthodox view. Yeah, and there's a hundred of them though. So, or 300, or hopefully down the road, there's actually the entire community. But you're not so going to get have different... 300 answers, are you? Yes. Oh, you will. Oh, there's 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 hundreds of answers on one specific. That's the whole point is to try and get right, a consensus. Right. Okay. So, the consensus does not mean truth. By the way, this is really important. No, I, I'm really it not, it to actually avoid means saying the word truth. truth. So, it's really around trying to f- give you the the best available evidence mm. um, that's currently there. Okay. This well, this is something which already happens, which I think you mentioned on your website in science at the moment. Uh, it's just not very visible. So they, they do these reviews of mm. like meta-analysis, meta-analysis yeah. of all of the studies on X, Y, or Z topic. And they'll write the review. They'll go through all of the studies. They'll contact a whole bunch of people and they'll say, here's where it sits based on all of the available research that we thought was relevant. So there could be a visualization of that. like a, like a, like a Yeah. People do visualize it. Yeah, like that's, where name, that's where our name came from, by the way. Yeah. So we essentially took that meta-analysis time to meta-fact as yeah. in... Yeah, there's okay. like an amazing chart of gun tr- gun control papers where they they show like you know does uh, certain gun control types work and they have like you know 50 papers and they have this little this dot which moves depending on the level of kind of contribution to mm. to mm. deaths that they thought the control made. So and the certainty and the certainty yep. and, and all of course this then sort of the stuff. debate will be about the inherent biases, say the left wing bias of not only journalists but scientists, right? So we'll, that's one of those debates you can never win, I suppose. <laughs> Well, so, so so that's the thing. Like, yes, there are some activist scientists, but the most you do, you're not a scientist if you're not completely objective to the facts, right? You, you, if if for example in climate science, there is no conspiracy here. We're not like sort of getting together and saying this is all going to happen. We are looking for those outliers. I'm I would love for someone to discover that this is all not true because it's a huge deal. And you'd become a you'd, Nobel, you'd win the Nobel Prize. Yeah, you'd win the Nobel so, Prize. So I make your career. <laughs> you'd be set for life so there, if you could prove it. But the problem is proving it. So yeah, it's exactly. Like, the evidence okay. right now, unfortunately. Just while we're, while we're with you, uh, Ben, and we're moving into the, the final part of the yep. show, unfortunately, tell us, but you've got a Kickstarter. This is the free yes. plug bit. Okay. You've got a Kickstarter. <laughs> so <laughs> and thanks, and what, do you, what do you need to raise? 50K? Well, so so Metafact is a open source uh, open knowledge platform. It's free to um, for anyone to ask. We get the answers, and anyone can republish them. Uh, that has, like in journalism, that has tr- tr- uh, there's problems without ads and other things. So we are looking for members. So we have a Kickstarter campaign um, for for beta members, and those members will get 
additional insights from the platform. We're, ho- we're hoping to hire some part-time editors. Will they get a T-shirt? Yes. And, they a, get a, and a mug. And a mug. And a mug oh, and some I'm other in. things. And, a, and a, book, a book of facts. A book of facts? Yeah. Seriously? It's a quarterly book of facts. We're going to a quarterly book of facts. It's fact. not hard. You're going it's into digital. publishing. <laughs> yeah, it's digital. <laughs> it's probably going to be automated though, right? Yeah. Yes. We'll have to use some <laughs> fancy right. techniques. There, so, there are three of us. Some yes. sweaty robot. Oh, no. oh God. Another <laughs> yes. quarter. Another book of facts. Come on. Come on. I see. So, and how's it going, the Kickstarter? It's going well. So, we've, we've raised 34% of the goal. Mm-hmm. We're looking for 500 members. We're, we've got 103 so far today. And what's, so uh, what's the membership cost? Right now, it's $100 for the year um, but um, we've got early bird specials on now so it's actually cheaper um, okay. so that'll that'll give members um, give us the chance to really build and grow the platform but really hopefully deliver a unique something that's unique in the, in this fact based world that, mm. that, that'll help their life okay well that's the end of your plug but it was a long plug <laughs> <laughs> thanks Peter let's get back to automation and journalism uh, as you've discussed uh, Nick there are limitations to what AI can do, as we've discussed here today. Um, but you, you mentioned in uh, in your when you launched Reporter Mate to the World that it's possible that more sophistica- sophisticated techniques will soon be available mm. that might enable machines to do more interesting things with data. Is that where we're heading? And what are those more interesting things, I suppose? It is where we're heading. Um, and the, dif- the difference being, at the moment, this is just essentially template, logical, yep. ifsors, that sort of thing. There, there isn't machine learning or artificial intelligence involved yet, but there could be later on. Um, and the, the problem is, is that it's actually quite a difficult problem to solve at the moment to actually write a proper news story from scratch hmm. um, in that you need to do interviews, yeah. you need to work out what things might be interesting and that's a very fuzzy mm. thing to work out. Mm. You, you can sort of get there by reading like 5 billion news articles and then getting the gist of each right. of those little yeah. chunks. But even then, you have to then sort of score those things and match them all up and do all this sort of stuff. And so it's actually quite a complicated problem to solve. Right. And then it has to write. And so there was an interesting uh, paper recently where they've published an, a new machine learning model, which has got really improved um, what they call fluency in mm-hmm. terms of um, writing by an by a algorithm, essentially. Okay. Where, did that, where was that paper, by the way? Just so people might be interested to follow it up. I'm going to have to okay, find out worry. and well, tweet we'll it out or something. Tweet it I, can't, out. I can't remember the name off the top no, of my no head. No drama. No drama. But Sorry. Okay. It, it was funny because the, the researchers didn't want to uh, share the fully trained model because they had some concerns around it just being used to spam out fake news um, mm, straight away. Mm, mm. But at the moment, that's all it can do. It can't write necessarily write up an interview. It can't do its own research mm. and then publish a news mm. story, but it can write really convincing pieces of text. Yes, which could just... Uh, quadruple the amount of fake news on the in the world. Yeah, just and I need. think I think the the challenge with, with AI generally is that um, the great amazing capacity that we still have over machines is that we can ask why. Mm-hmm. Machines can't ask why. We they have a data set that they get trained. I've done this in the oceans, or you can do it with mm-hmm. with, with news articles or what have you. But the moment they can say ask why, which is way down the track. Generalized AI, which is this concept yep. where is is a long way down. Mm-hmm. Um, having that context, having that curiosity, that's where mm. 
reporters are, that's where scientists are, that's where the value okay. is today. Right. So these, mm. these, these are great tools, you know, as, as Nick was saying, to, to automate the yep. easy Yep. The easy. Structure the <laughs> you know, data. Yeah, yeah structure yeah. data. But yep. the real value is that why aspect. And and, and also uh, what we do, I suppose what journalists do is to, and scientists, is to uh, play around with abstract ideas and abstract yeah, thoughts. Mm, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's way down the road. Do you think, uh, I mean, one of the things I've been involved with obliquely over the last few years is the idea of automated fact-checking. So like, you know, fact-checking a political debate, that sort of thing, or the State of the Union. Okay, so say, or gr- great idea, and that's we hopefully want to get there. By the way, but there's huge challenges, and they've they've had a number of AI fact-checking challenges. Mm. There's actually had some prize money. A, a number of different journalists have put up some money yep. to try and really get the best teams to try and automate fact-checking. It just doesn't work right now. It's not. But it will. It's not in. You think? If they come back, if, if there's the capacity for generalized AI, it will work. But because how do you fact check something when it's not on the internet? Mm. Right? So even something as simple as, you know, do cucumbers cause cancer? If you Google that, right, if you think that should be no, yeah. it, you get all this really crazy, like, stuff. Really? Yeah. Oh, well. Like, but you wouldn't, you'd have to sort of synthesize that. I mean, as a as a so, educated reader, you can sort of get... Right. So we just let's put this out of uh, out of bounds here. Cucumbers don't cause cu- cancer, right? <laughs> yes. I'm going to say no to that. One. I'm going to say no. <laughs> In my considered yeah. opinion. Yeah, okay. Good. But no. So so the point is 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 that um, an automated fact checker would Ooh. go through Google. They'd look at some some maybe some crazy blogs that are saying some crazy things, mm-hmm. and they would give you something that's completely not based on 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 reality. And so until we okay. get to the point to which there's that generalized questioning something and then, and then, um, and right now it's humans. We have a billion, you know, there's billions of people with this amazing knowledge in our minds Mm -hmm. that aren't, it's not, not digitized. It's not on Mm. the internet and you need to unlock that to really get to the real core of, I think, to where we can actually help from AI. All right. I have two quick questions before we uh, wrap it up. One is, uh, Nick, does any of the stuff that you're looking at, do we need any government regulation to protect journalism from uh, automation? Is that seems a bit of a far-fetched question, but I'm, I'm just wondering. In, in terms of the threats to journalism, I, I'd say it's pretty low. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, there are bigger. There are bigger. There and more, are, more <laughs> far, far bigger threats more out there. At the moment. Yeah, fair enough. Um, certainly, basic funding, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, the most pressing concerns at the moment. Yeah. So. Okay. And final question to both of you, uh, Ben first. What's interesting from this conversation, for me anyway, and I hope for the listeners, is that it, it illustrates that there are um, new skills that maybe journalism journalists need to think about. Is that a fair comment? That, you know, oh, what do I, you think? Do you think we should all be learning to code? I um, I wouldn't want to advise journalists to be honest, Peter. Um, I mean, I my for me, I I think uh, I come from a background all around data and sort of mm. empirical analysis. So I would say yes to that. But I think at the same time, you know, th- as Nick was saying, the challenges in journalism right now are, are pretty immense. Mm. Um, and I think I'm not sure if, you know, learning to code is going to give journalists a sort of a, a new, I think you could tap well, resources it, that yeah. help mm. pull in this, these, Okay. Well, I think that's what Nick's trying to do and what hopefully we are trying to do. So I think it's, probably better to work collaboratively rather than sort of 
try and reinvent Well, the I wheel. guess the question then is, uh, to be able to sit in a room with you as a journalist, do I need to know a bit about what you do? Um, well, you need, to know where I, yeah, you need to know where yeah. I come from and what I, what, what mm. I'm, I mean, yes, we're a different, it's in different fields, but yeah. where I come from is from the same core value set that journalists have. You know, we want to report the facts. Scientists, we are all about facts. There mm. is a huge collaboration there that I think mm. generally we haven't, you know, there's a lot of science communicators who, and I've worked with a lot of science journalists, but I think there is that. More there's a common there's a commonality there, okay. and I think that's something we'd love to try and inspire. What do you think, Nick? Uh, I, I don't think everyone needs to learn to code, but I think something that has happened and is important is just a, a mainstreaming of familiarity with like data and data analysis. So, for example, we've got reporters in our newsroom who don't know how to program, but they do know that certain things are an option now. So, like collecting statistics on members of parliament. They know how to use a spreadsheet. They know how to make their own charts. Yep. And that didn't used to be the case yeah, that's a, good a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just like a kind of low-level literacy, literacy yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. which is immensely helpful. Actually doing the programming itself is a bit more complicated and it's more like specializing in a lot of ways. Um, it is good for a lot of things. It allows you to innovate and come up with completely new things, which is great. Yeah. Um, exactly. And you, you can still do that in other formats like video, audio, photos, etc. Like there are still experiments coming out in like podcasting and all sorts of things. Um, so it's, it's another avenue for innovation, which is great. Yeah. But, well, we're yeah. all for innovation here. Um, I'd like to thank you both for uh, coming along today. Um, thank you, Nick Evershed from The Guardian. Thanks. No worries. And Ben McNeil, um, founder of MetaFact. Thanks so much from UNSW and contribute to the Kickstarter campaign and become a member and get what I must say is quite a tasty (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. That's about it for this week, but make sure you're subscribed to The Fourth Estate on your favorite podcast app so you can hear us talk about media and politics and a few things in between. And we'll be back next week with more. Um, But in the meantime, stay in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is Fourth Estate AU. And my name is Peter Frey, and thank you so much for listening.